Warning, the guest episodes on License for Love are experiences, expertise, and views of their own. The diversity duo is in no way liable for actions or advice one takes in their daily life from our guests. Our purpose is to give everyone a voice to be understood, not necessarily agreed with. You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels Harris. The heartbeat in relationship conversation. Sexy, beautiful, let your hair hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And today's episode is called Different Strokes. We're continuing our family series and I am just elated with the guests that we'll be having today. But before we get to that a little bit later on, Doc, how the hell are you? Awesome. Well, what's, what's so awesome? Well, first of all, let me just say this. Man, I'm glad this is a family version because the title alone of this one. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I'm really excited about all that's happening here today on License for Love. But before we get to that, I'm just... I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great with life. How about you, Jaxie? I'm doing all right. Uh, tell me a little bit about that T-shirt. That looks really cool. I like the the white with the rainbow colors there. You mean my medium? Is that what it says? It's a no. It's a size. It's a medium. That's oh, like medium. half small, okay. half medium. See, that's a medium. <laughs> oh, I just assume you were referring to the fit, but <laughs> I see you're asking. No, I'm uh, I'm I'm large to extra large. Is that your shirt size? <laughs> okay. So, well, it's license for love. And what we're doing here, everybody. It is, it is license for love. Baby. It is. And it is. I love it, Jax, that the diversity duo. See, it's nice to be able to have people that in your life that are heterosexual and appreciate gay humor. And me being a gay person can appreciate heterosexual or straight humor. Well, and and, and it's probably you. safe to say that some of our listeners out there love the um, sexual harassment, uh, you know, uh, green light that I give you on a weekly basis. So this is true. We yeah. learn and heal through comedy. I know that. But oh, my God. Yeah. Man, yeah. I'll I'm tell you what, people need to leave. We need to have a, a comedian on here because people need to learn to leave our comedians alone. You know, I, I really hate how everyone has became so overly sensitive. I mean, you and I, like off the air, everyone that has like a a platform or a right or a political way of X, Y, and Z, like they would completely shit their pants if they knew how we talk to each other. You know, and it's just, it's sad that we don't, it doesn't seem like in the world that we live in right now that, that we're able to do that. Why do you think that is? Because most people don't know how to take a joke because they're too busy looking at themselves as the joke. And so, you know, um, you got to keep things in their right category. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. for instance, I'll give you a clue. Like when people are talking about something really serious uh, that is important to them, their passions or whatever, and they'll go, you know, it's, you know, it's funny how, and there's nothing funny about what they're describing. But when you tell somebody, you say to them, well, you know, the funny part is, what's funny about that is, 
I think you send a message to people that, well, who tells, what's funny? A joke. Who tells a joke? A comedian. So it's like, how serious are you about what you're saying? Because of that, that prelude, that preamble, if you will. But yeah. the thing about what I love is we respect each other's boundaries. And words are simply words. And if they don't apply to you, they don't apply to you. So that's what makes it such a free for all, if you will, between us. And I just love it because that's how it's supposed to be. You know, it really is. I mean, yeah. You know, do you no, know? I, you know, I just was taking a moment to like sincerely reflect because the comedians that I like right now or I've always liked are the ones that just shake shit up. You know what I mean? It used to be Eddie Murphy back in the day, Richard Pryor before that, you know, and, um, and I may lose some fans over this or may some gain some fans over this to our listeners, but I love Dave Chappelle. I think it was amazing that he got oh, yeah. the Mark Twain award. I think it was amazing that when they wanted to name the theater after him, I don't know if you saw that recent special on Netflix, but he said, given all the controversy of the way that it is right now with me and the public, I don't want it named after me because I want the students to think about, you know, the power of their creativity versus, you know, feeling a grudge or something like that towards me. I mean, I just think he's, I think he's prolific and, uh, he is. And yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll just say this. I was, I've always been somewhat of a Dave Chappelle fan, but when I saw the one, the skit where he was portraying the leader of the clan and he was black, I mean, he was blind and didn't even know he was black. Oh my God, that was absolute brilliance because it just goes to show you, you know, I mean, I, I mean, come on now. He was like, what? And then it's like, <laughs> and then he, they said she divorced your wife after you found out you were black. <laughs> and they go, why would you do that to her? He goes, because she was a you know what lover. <laughs> you know, so it just goes to show you um, that people can oftentimes face very scary and hurtful things if it's brought in through laughter. And they've always said laughter is the best medicine. And I agree. I agree. I don't care how we talk about those sensitive subjects as long as we find a way to talk about them from a place of respect. So, um, boy, today's guest. Yeah, and that brings me full circle to today's episode, right? Yeah. Because I love how you and I always find a way to organically bring it into the conversation. And I wanted to title today's episode Different Strokes. And the biggest reason why I wanted to do that was because for those of you out there that, you know, never got to see the show and and it was a big show for me when I was a kid growing up. It was huge um, because there was oftentimes I lived in neighborhoods where I was the only kid the color of my skin or, you know, my, my uh, racial background. And so I learned a lot from the show. And today's guest and what they're doing and what they have been through and the impact that they have absolutely to me is a different stroke. You know, could have easily at any point in time just said, you know, I'm not going to take this path. I've been through this environment. I don't want to be triggered by having to be re reintroduced to this environment again and again on the other side of it. So I'm just going to go do my own thing. But instead, they not only take on the environment, 
they excel past it and break through to a whole new place that provides love and affection and understanding and a universal message for humanity overall. Thoughts, Doc? Nope. Okay. Cool. I'm just saying it because I want to shut up and um, I'm so excited. I want to give an extra few minutes to our guest today. I just, so I, I relinquish the rest of my time, Mr. Speaker. Well, uh, in that case, what we're talking about today in our family series is um, people that are of the same sex parents that then have children in their life that are their kids, right? No matter how that's introduced, I mean, we're going to talk about the, the foster care in particular, but also the universal idea of what the sociology looks like of same-sex parents being able to have children, whether that's through adoption, fostering, those kinds of things. And so, you know me and my little laptop or my little uh, iPad here, according to aamft.org, which stands for the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy, I wanted to know what's going on in the United States um, in accordance to how these families um, and how many of these families that there are. So studies estimate that between one and nine million children in the United States have at least one parent who is lesbian or gay. Um, there are approximately 594,000 same-sex partner households. And according to two, the 2000 census, right? Um, and, and there are children living in approximately 27% of those households. So it's interesting because it's 27% of America in some framework are experiencing the effects of having a same-sex parent in their household. What do, you, what do you think about that? Does that shock you or are you like, yeah, I already knew that? No, it doesn't shock me. Not at all. Wow. No, I mean, it, I'm it, not saying I knew the, the, I could quote the numbers. Yeah, but it blew but, me away. I, I was really? blown away. Yeah, 100%. Why? I mean, I think the biggest reason why is because the whole purpose of us having this podcast, I, I don't live in that world on a daily basis, you know? Well, wait a minute. Just because you, I think you do. It's just like when people say, if there's a group of 25 guys, they go, are none of my friends gay? Guarantee you, in that 25, there's a handful of them. You just don't well, know I, it. But, but what I'm saying, you say you don't live in that world. Is that really accurate? Yeah. Well, I love that. I, I think that's a great point because literally I've been living in that world. If it's 20%, 27% or whatever the number was, I'm just oblivious more so to what is going on around me. So that encourages me to want to have conversations well, like I think with it's our amazing guest today. I think it's encouraging. The most important part of that is that you can't tell. Is that you can't tell. Mm. So it's not like it's a boil. Oh my goodness, mm. is that one of those gay boils? I know it anywhere. You're gay. He's got the gay boil, stay away from him or whatever. I just, yeah. people are people, just like families are families. Love is love. You know, I was, uh, Rob and I have very similar backgrounds as to many of us who are foster alum. Uh, 
And I'll just say this, I, heard, I read in his book and it made me smile because I remember what a life, I think it was on the one of the recent shows, I told you about my friend DJ who told me, and I had never heard it and I was like 35 years old when she said, you do realize Lauren, that family is based in love. It's relatives that are based in blood and there's a difference. Suddenly I could choose who was family. Made a big That's difference. Beautiful. So that's why I'm excited today because, man, get ready. Like I said, I finished this book last night and, oh, mm, 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 mm. So check this out. I, I found this very interesting also. So it goes on to say, for example, adolescents with same-sex parents reported feeling more connected at school. Another study uh, reported that children in gay and lesbian households are more likely to talk about emotionally difficult topics, and they are more often resilient, compassionate, and tolerant. So the same concerns that face many heterosexual parents when they are deciding to have children also face the same sex parents, including time, money, and responsibilities of parenthood. Well, yeah. Does... A set of parents where one is a dope boy and the mother is a fiend, does that change that their child is still a child who needs and is special? Therefore, every child is special but needs. What's brilliant, no, what's brilliant what about saying, this, wait, Doc? Wait, not there yet. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. But that thing about, and look how similar it is between gay, of course. Why would a gay parent's love for a child be different? Why, Why should that surprise people? What'd you think? You know, well, well, oh, I, I know because a lot of people think uh, two males, oh, shit, oh, 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 they're going to be molesting the kids. And all. Let me tell you something. I've always told people, don't get it twisted. It is yeah. cock-a-doodle-doo, not any cock-a-doo. Yeah. And that's the thing oh, about okay. it. I'm just saying, everybody thinks that some, you know, a lot of people that you're gay, it's got to be all this sexual perversion and all that. And it's just unfair. Well, you don't hear about again, it. Today. Again, I, I think that you're making brilliant points. And that's the whole point of License for Love is us investigating into these things. I, you Ooh, know, I man. hope that our listeners today that are, in question or on the fence or don't, or maybe just flat out ignorant that this is a great education for them to be able to have, because this isn't coming from a place of minor your opinion, right? This is coming from the organic matter of this person walking the walk on a daily basis. Yeah. So we're going to get out of here a little bit early so we can get right back in with our amazing guest. We'll be right back. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message, let's ride. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And today's episode is called Different Strokes for our family series. Doc, hey. give us the ditty so we can get this man in here. I'm still sounding like Louise Jefferson, doggone it. Ah, Rob Shear. And 
I just want to say that, wait, you guys got to read the book when we talk about that. Just get ready to go and get, either get it on Audible or order it. Hard copy. Trust me. So, Rob Shear, I met him uh, a few years back at an event in Cleveland, Ohio um, for the Purple Project, which is a foster care um, event. And I had been told about Rob um, through our good friend. He and I have a mutual friend, Maureen Flatley. And so I got there and I'm like, hmm. I'm used to being the only gay guy here, right? Or anywhere, <laughs> I thought. But boy, when I looked at... Uh, according to statistics, 29% says elsewise. Well, there you go. But I looked, he gave me a book. He was giving away these books, and I saw so much about what we're going to hear here. And it was love at first sight, not just for Rob as a person, but for what he's doing for people. So we'll start with this. You know, Rob came through the foster care system as so many currently, um, approximately 437,000 youths are in foster care just in the United States alone. Over 40 years ago, Rob was one of those kids. He uh, aged out of foster care at 18, became homeless like so many of us do, and pretty much across the board, carried his possessions in a trash bag. He went into the military, which so many of us do, as lack of options. Um, and then a few years back, Rob got married. He has a husband, Reese. They decided to grow their family. They started with four children almost all at the same time. And then they added a fifth child later down the road. And everything one thing turned into another rob is currently the host of fostering change now that's a weekly audio and video podcast and he brings in guests of prominence who discuss issues regarding foster care adoption lgbtq plus and other timely and topical issues it's now in its third year and fostering changes ranked i know for the second time in the second year in a row because i watch um ranked the number one podcast for adoption and foster care. So got to ring the bell about that. Now, Rob is also the author of the book I was mentioning, A Forever Family, Fostering Change One Child at a Time. Um, you may remember Rob. You might say, oh, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, I bet it does because they've been featured in Comfort Cases, the nonprofit, um, on The Ellen Show, The Today Show, The View, NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt, and that's just a couple of them. So, um, I'm going to get Rob in here so we can get started, but that barely scratches the surface. Stick with us, and uh, you're going to learn a lot more. Hey, Rob. Welcome to the show, buddy. So much for having me. I'm so excited to be here to talk to both of you. Yeah, we're, we're equally excited. So, you know, our guests are always backstage, um, you know, while, while the doc and I are, are chumming it up for that first 15 minutes, but we actually stopped early so we could get you in here faster but just want to kind of get a temperature feel for you with some of the things that we were discussing in that first 15 minutes. Do you think we're in the, we're landing in the right direction or do you think you got a different thought process on some of the stuff we were talking about? You know, I have to tell you, um, you know, listening to both of you for the first 15 minutes, um, it's not like my thought process at all. You know, um, I do not, um, consider myself someone who wants to be recognized as a gay man. I want to be recognized as a dad who just happens to be gay. Mm 
Mm. Um, and to me, that is the key. Just as I say to my children all the time, these are my children. They're not my adopted children. Right. They're not my children adopted from foster care. They are my children. And Reese is my husband. He's not my gay husband. He's not my husband, you know, because I'm gay. He's, he's my husband. Right. And so um, I, I look at things a little differently. And I also wanted to touch base on the fact of, you know, 27% of, you know, um, non, as you all want to call them, traditional families um, are raising children. Um, I don't feel that that number is accurate at all. I believe that there are more um, families out there that are scared to um, put their flag out and, and raise their hand. And you also have to realize just what happened just recently. Um, there, there's an article that just came out in Michigan where one of the largest faith-based organizations in our country, okay, finally just stepped up and said, no more. We have had a policy that we do not allow same-sex people to adopt or to foster care. After many, many, many years of researching, we realized we have done nothing but a disservice to children mm. and that oh, children yeah. need to be loved. Period. So just on Friday, um, they have absolutely started um, to now allow people that look like me, um, that look like Dr. Harris, I was gonna um, say. That, you know, we're able to, you know, adopt and to foster. And, and, you know, I know you guys have a lot of questions, but I, I got to talk about my five kids, for example, because Please I do. hear this quite often throughout the country as I go around and speak is that, um, was there a concern that my children would turn out gay because they were being raised by two gay men? You know, you do not turn out to be anything, okay? Mm -hmm. You are born. Um, and my five children, my and my husband's, we have kids who, you know, I have one child who is bisexual um, and my other four children are heterosexual. You know, tonight I will be spending my evening for two hours sitting on a football field with one of my kids. My boys are very into sports. My daughter, you know, she loves to dress up, but I want people people to know just because they were raised in a household with two men, um, they lacked nothing. They did not lack love. They did not lack sensitivity. They did not lack someone to kiss their boo-boos. You know, all these things that we think that a, a child has to have when they have that male role model, much less the female role model, is just not accurate. Beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely beautiful. Um, Doc, I, I know you had some main points on the book that you wanted to kind of unpack. I don't know if that's in the second section or now, but my first question, Rob, uh, first of all, very eloquently put, I love the fact that you challenged those statistics because that's why we have these particular episodes because we want the people living in the world uh, to actually be able to say, no, that's bullshit. I think we can go a different direction. One thing I want to talk about, though, real quick, is what about the other part that they said in the research that described that it seems like it's more open to be able to talk about, you know, things that would otherwise be insensitive or things where they might be scared or judgmental on, you know, some of the stats or, you know, some of the research there on the website said that children are actually more well-adjusted in the sense of, 
dealing with these kinds of things with a, a same-sex marriage home or a parent, right? So well, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel that's relevant? Again, you know, um, I get a lot of hate because I call the bullshit card. Um, and I consider all of that just a bunch of BS. And let me tell you the reason why. Um, I believe every child has an opportunity to grow up and be sensitive. I believe every child has an opportunity to have someone who allows them to speak in their own voice. I believe that every single child has an opportunity to, you know, have empathy because it is something that's taught. Just because we happen to be gay men or lesbian women, you know, doesn't make us any different as parents. And I'm gonna tell you, you know, I with my children, you know, I have honor students. I have a child that's right now in a therapeutic, you know, environment because of his mental needs, um, who was raised with two gay men. It's, it's, it's just not, I love for them to give me all those kudos, you know, as a gay man. I want you to think that that's right. If we bring up your property values, as they always say, and we also raise the best kids. But I want you to know something. My husband and I go through the same exact thing that my best friend Tucker and his wife Meekin go through. They go through children who are growing up to be children. And it's all in how you raise them, you know, and where are your values? You know, um, that's something that has always been the key for us is where is our values um, and how we want to raise our children? No, I, I mean, I, I'm absolutely speechless on that point, too, because, you know, the doc and I, we talked about it one time. I don't like being called a white guy. Right. Probably just the same way that you don't like being called, you know, a gay man. Like I'm, my friend Marcus, who happens to be gay as well, is in the same boat as you. Do you think that that tenacity for you comes from being a U.S. veteran and, you know, some of the things that you may have been taught and instilled in terms of like you planting your flag and saying, no, I'm a man first. My sexuality is sort of my own personal business but if you have to put me in there to have context like look at me as a man and as a father first like do you think some of that comes from that background or where does that come from for you to find that tenacity you know that's kind of crazy because i don't give the military any any whatsoever um you know credit for anything um that that my experience in the military was not as um as great as I would wanted it to be. Um, but I will tell you that I absolutely am proud the fact that I was a United States Navy person. But I think I get my grit. Where I get that from is just the experiences of life that I've gone through. And understand, I hear you made a comment and you said, you know, you don't like to be called a white man. Well, guess what? You are. And um, understand the fact that with your face and with your color comes a sense of privilege. Okay. And until you have sat down and you have raised a child of color, um, you have no idea the privilege that we have, you and I, because of our skin color. And I tell people all the time, because I get those people that walk up to me and they say, oh my God, what a beautiful family. I don't see any color. And I say, well, then you don't see my four black kids. 
because my four black kids are standing right there and they are of color. Okay. As in when we walk into Macy's and my son, who is 15 years old, who stands about the same type height I am, I'm six four, you know, and he's standing at the counter and I'm behind him. And I see the woman um, treat my son so differently that she would have treated me that I had to speak up and say that I wouldn't purchase something in Macy's because how dare she speak to my son. And again, she spoke to my son because of his skin color. Um, I, I just think that I, I raising children of color has changed my vision so much. Because just like you, Cowboy Jacks, you made this comment. You know, I didn't grow up in an area where there were people of color. I, I, I didn't have one kid on my street. I remember the very first kid in my school. Um, so it wasn't something that was in my face all the time. Um, and But I will tell you... Damn, it's educated me a lot having children of color. That's beautiful. Well, yeah, uh, I, I think my, my issue, just for clarification purposes, when it comes to getting into that, and I, and I love your perspective from that because you're living it on a daily basis. And again, this show's about being understood, not necessarily agreed with. I would experience a lot of prejudice be, because of my skin tone, because of some of the environments that I lived in and also because I lived in very poverty type environments too. So when we would go certain places, you know, we were looked at and treated a certain way. And I think that my biggest gripe is, and I'd love to have your thoughts on this, Rob, is that yes, it's okay to understand that certain people experience certain things such as what you were describing but to completely alienate the fact that other people, regardless of what their skin tone maybe don't or have like an element of privilege, depending on what environment that you're in, I don't think is very fair. That, that's just like if you want to fly your flag, whatever your flag is, right? And I want to fly my American flag. That's sort of like our equal right to be able to do that. And I just want to know, do you deal with any kind of disheveling in, in that environment, because you have children obviously of, you know, more than one skin tone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I, you know, for, I was a banker for 28 years and um, I come from the good old boy banker days where um, we didn't talk about our sexuality and it was many years um, before I even let anybody know I was gay because I was scared. I was scared that you wouldn't let me come to that board meeting if you found out that I happened to be of the same sex that likes the same sex. And, you know, and it was a time when women weren't sitting behind executive doors as I did as a banker. Um, you know, it, it was, I'll never forget the moment when um, I decided that, you know, I was gonna raise my flag. And let me tell you something. I remind people all the time. First of all, kids who are in foster care, they don't care if you're red or blue. You know, they just care the fact that you care about them. I right. personally have a belief system within myself that I have within my family, okay? We happen to be Methodists. We happen to love our church. We happen to truly believe that Jesus was an amazing human being. But let me remind you something. We also raise our children that we're not idiots that no, we do not believe that an ark was built. You know, we truly, truly, truly do believe that each and every one of us are just like Jesus, good humans, good humans. 
God, I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, we got to go to commercial break, um, but when we come back, we're going to get into some really cool stuff that Rob's been having going on. And I know the doc's got some burning questions. Um, this has just been so exciting. We'll be right back, y'all. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message, let's ride. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels-Harris. And today's episode is called Different Strokes for our family series. And we have been having an amazing conversation of understanding and different ideas and iron sharpens iron with our great guest, Rob Shear. Um, Rob, it has just been awesome. Like this is probably, I mean, I love all of our episodes that we've had, but for our family series and, and everything that you've brought to the table today has just been absolutely epic. So I know the doc's going to have some questions for you here in just a little bit, but let's get into a little bit more of not just you raising your flag, but you going around the country and being able to raise your flag for a lot of different people in the foster care system. And, and let's briefly talk about comfort case. I think I'm saying that correctly. If I'm not, I know you'll correct me, but please let our listeners know why you wanted to do this and why it was so important. Let me tell you something. As I said in the in the segment before, um, I'm a banker by trade. Um, you know, for 28 years, um, I was a dot com guy. I was a taker. See, dot coms are takers. Dot orgs are givers. And never in a thousand years did I ever think that I would have anything to do with a dot org except for making sure I wrote that check at the end of the year so I could write it off on my taxes because that was my main concern. See, for me. Growing up in the system, growing up as a kid who was homeless, growing up as a kid who was uneducated and didn't know the difference and still do not know the difference between there, there, and there, um, it was very, very important to fill my bank account, live in a big house, and buy an expensive car, have my kids go to private schools, you know, make sure that they wore designer clothes, and that they had everything that I never had as a young boy. And then all of a sudden, it changed. 10 years ago, you know, I was sitting behind my desk. I had offices all over the country. Um, I was an executive and my husband walked into my office. My husband had given up his career. He had his master's in interior design. His main focus, and he said the most important job in the world was to be home and raise our children. And so as he came into my office to do our yearly toy drive that we do every year, we're very well known in the D.C. area for raising toys for those needy kids, you know, the ones that we all want to give something to, pat ourselves on the back, and then the next day we don't even oh, think yeah. about it. I was like you. I was, I was one of those kids. I was the angel on the tree and all that other kind of thing. But I get the perspective that you're coming from, and I think it's beautiful, but please carry yeah. on. But 10 years ago, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. And I looked at Reese and he said, why? Because I was so concerned that we were teaching our children that if you give a needy kid a toy, it makes your community better. And that I was concerned that the legacy that I was teaching my children, that it was all about money, it was about the house, it was about the car, it was about the schools. But what I wanted my children to know is that our legacy, and it was this aha moment for me, that as I, it, and what it was, it was my youngest son. My youngest son was on the playground and he had the breast, brand new pair of shoes on. And a kid said, your dad, your dads are rich. 
And my son looked at him and said, no, my father just works really hard. Wow. Wow. He taught me something. He taught me something. And I said to Reese, I want to eliminate trash bags in foster care in the D.C. area. And Reese literally said to me, you're batshit crazy. And I said, I know that's why you married me. And I gathered (laughs) members of our church, my senior team, some local politicians. And I told my story, the story about the little boy who carried a trash bag, the boy who at the age of 18, a senior in high school, was literally became homeless carrying a trash bag. And then I talked about my children, how each and every one of them arrived in our home with a trash bag. And I thought, what are we teaching our children? We're teaching our kids that they're disposable, they're invisible, that they're not worth more than a trash bag. And so we started putting cases together. And that's how Comfort Cases started 10 years ago. And we have put a brand new pair of pajamas. They get toiletries. They get a book, an activity, a stuffy, a blankie. They go all these new items in a backpack. And they're given to a child on the day they arrive into foster care. We have actually delivered in 10 years over 185,000 comfort cases. We have delivered them to all 50 states, D.C. and Puerto Rico. And during the height of the pandemic, Cowboy Jacks, when nobody was knowing what they were doing, my team was actually building a team in the U.K. to take care of the 84,000 children in foster care there that have the same story that I had, that they carried a trash bag. So to me, it was now teaching my children that your legacy is about not what you get, but about what you give. And you got that, right, from your kids. Like, that is the thing that's the the most beautiful part about this, right? And it doesn't matter if you're heterosexual. It doesn't matter if you're homosexual. It doesn't matter if you're bisexual. You're dad, right? And dad pays attention to what's going on with their children so they can become better people. And that that's just absolutely, that's absolutely beautiful. So, so we've got comfort cases. We've got these amazing children that are growing up well-adjusted. You've made some adjustments yourself. And so now you elect to take to the airwaves, so to speak. So let's talk about a little bit on the podcast and and why you why you started it and why it's been so prolific in the changes in your own daily life. Well, you know, I remind people all the time, and this is for everyone who has been a part of the system or been touched by the system. First of all, we have to understand that we have got to stop blaming the system. We have to start changing the system. And so when we started fostering change, that was my main goal, was to get people to do what you and I are doing right now, and that is to talk, to talk about foster care, to understand that children who come into the system come into the system because of a choice that someone else made, a choice that someone else made. You know, these children deserve the same thing that my five children get. They deserve to be loved. They deserve to have a foundation. They deserve to know that their future can be bright. And by the way, if you do not help make a child in foster care's future bright today, you will pay for it tomorrow. Because we know for a fact that over 73% of the people who are sitting on death row are from foster care. We know for a fact that 80% of prison inmates have been in or touched by foster care. We know for a fact that children who are actually trafficked, children, 80% of them 
are from foster care. See, the fact is, is that these are not my kids. They're not your kids. They're our kids. And if we do not invest in them, then how do you invest in your future? Because they are your future. Yeah. So when, when the kids are at school, and because um, I think you still have some in school, right? Looks like oh, yeah. what I'm so seeing my, back I, here. Yeah, my oldest is 21. I have a I have a sophomore in college, a freshman in college. Uh, I have a 10th grader, a 9th grader, and an 8th grader. Let's talk about 8th grade because that can be a pretty tough time, right? So have, has the kids came home and, and said anything to you like, you know, dad, you know, I'm, I'm being treated different because, you know, they don't see me in the same space as the way that they look at a, I hate the word traditional, but I'm just going to use it for context, traditional yeah. way of life. Like for our listeners out there that are new foster parents or from same sex marriages as well, who's had to navigate some of this stuff. What, what do you say to your kids when these kinds of questions may come up, if they've came up at all? Well, let me tell you something. We are very lucky. They don't come up. And they've come up one time. My son, Makai, he's now 15 years old. Um, my son, Makai, actually suffers from what they call fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, his frontal lobe is not developed. And, you know, he's definitely on a, a level, you know, three to four years below where he should be. He goes to a private school that specializes with kids with fast. But I'll never forget it. I will never forget that day, the day the phone rang and it was the school and the school was calling because Makai was sitting in class and he has a one-on-one -on -one paraeducator. And one of the kids in class said, um, that's gay. And Makai looked at the kid and said, what's gay? And he's like, that's gay, two dads. And the teacher, he looked at the teacher and he says, what's gay? And he said, the teacher said, you know, I think that's something your parents need to explain to you. We've not really talked about it. Literally, I'm not kidding you. We had not, it wasn't it just, it wasn't a topic for our need and our family to sit down and describe, you know, what was gay. Um, and so when they called us, we decided to have our family forum. We write about this in my book. We we have family now, did you get all the Did time. you get everybody? Like, did you tell oh, Reese, call in all the troops? Yep. All my kids come together. We do this quite often. We allow children, our children, to say anything they want to, and there's no consequences. Um, it gives them an opportunity to say, you know what, Dad? I didn't like the way you handled that. I don't like the way you grounded me last week. I didn't like the way, and, and we're able to have that communication and that's been so healing. So we decided to talk about the fact of gay and the fact that we talked about, you know, somebody else, the couple, this couple, that couple, my son, Tristan, my, my, my son, who's now 13 at the time he was maybe a kindergartner. Um, he said, daddy, why does any of this matter? Mm. And I looked at him and I was like, you know what T you're exactly right. It doesn't matter. So listen, we haven't had that, you know, um, reason to, to have these conversations. And another reason I have to tell you, I think a lot of it is because we don't stand behind the closet. We are in your face. I'm at the PTA meetings with my husband. I'm at the I'm at the first day of school standing out there with my husband. I'm in I'm at all the school functions out there. I'm in the community out there with my husband, you know, and my children. Because the more you see me, the easier it gets. 
you know, That's and right. I'll never forget, you know, B- Brian Murphy, diehard Republican, so against gay people that he couldn't even think straight until he met my husband and I. And I'll never forget him walking to my door. And he said, you know, I just voted. And I said, you really? He said, yeah, I had to vote for our state for same-sex marriage. And he says, for the first time, I said, yes. And he says, and I told my friends, until you meet the Shears, you have no reason to judge because they are the most loving parents I've ever met. And by the way, they're same-sex. Man, that... it's it's absolutely epic. I, you know, on my journey on, on this show and why we wanted to start this show was because there were so many things that I had an idea of or an understanding of, but I didn't want it to come from my opinion. I wanted to come from the people that actually live it. And we've had people, you know, from the LGBTQ plus community on here, and we've had people that are you know, uh, community neighbors, non-veterans, U.S. veterans, service members, you know, the main three cultures that really exist, you know, in our country in terms of like economy and how everything operates. And the general consensus continues to be that it doesn't matter about your sexuality. Like, and, and, and it's, it's mind-blowing for me because... If that's the consensus in all of these different places, why are we still hitting a wall, especially on things like gay marriage, right? Now, that's a different show. We might have to have you back. But, you know, (laughs) just listening to you as a dad today and you not coming out and being like, well, I'm a gay man and I raise these kinds of children and, you know, all the stereotypes and the bullshit. And you say, really, what would be awesome is is if you didn't really worry about what my sexuality is, who I'm attracted to, and just kind of focused on what a badass dad I am. So uh, yeah, you know I what? think that's been amazing. Cowboy Jacks, I have to tell you something right now. The fact is, is who I sleep with in my bedroom does not change your 1040. It doesn't. Doesn't change your 1040. So it really should not be any of your concern. And for those of you out there who think that every gay man wants to be with a man, Stop flattering yourself. Stop flattering yourself. To be with every man, right? Yeah, that's not the way it works. It's not the way we are. It's not who we are. And that little snippet that you see that the media just tries to describe us at these gay pride festivals, we're all not like that. We're all not wearing booty shorts and half, you know, not that we don't like watching it, but we're not like that. Okay. It's not like that. You know, I'm at, I'm at football games with my kids. I'm outside cleaning the chicken coop with my kids. My husband is, you know, running kids to doctor's appointments. We are just like everyone else. And again, until it changes your 1040, shut your mouth. Because it doesn't spoken like a, Spoken like a true banker. Spoken <laughs> like a true man of finance. Like, if it doesn't change your 1040, shut your mouth. Well, Rob, I, I want to thank you very much uh, for coming on License for Love today. It's been an absolute honor and enlightening. Like, I love it when we have a guest on that is absolutely about that constructive pushback and that iron sharpens iron because that's how we get smarter. Um, I, I, I want to thank you so much again. Um, they have to have you come back on for a different topic so you can roll those sleeves up and get at it some more, but, um, we'll be back right after these messages and, uh, with our final thoughts. 
Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message, let's ride. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And it has been an absolute journey today. I'm honored that Doc let me take the reins on this. Um, Doc, I know you've been listening and just soaking it in and all this different kind of thing. Um, I'd love to have your I'd love to have your thoughts on where we went today and what an amazing journey it was. Did you learn anything new? Because I learned a lot. Of course, and I'm still wanting to learn more. That's why I sent you a private message that I wanted to stay out of it and let Rob's story just take it all the way up through because our stories are so similar. So I'm just gonna say things that echo what Rob is saying and Rob is gonna say things that echo what I would say or I'm thinking. And I just want the, the continuity of what he and his family are doing and what they stand for to last as long as it can today. So I'm gonna say my goodbyes now and say that I'll see the audience on the next one and let Rob take my time because I am not a gay parent. But it was something, if I had any regrets, it would be that I am not because I didn't find my every my forever person until you know I was 50 years old. And you know, who wants to go to parent teacher conferences with a dad that looks like your great grandfather? <laughs> so I was like, you know, plus there's you know. Rob was 45 when they started looking into foster care and they were told then that they were too old. So I already knew. So I just wanted to relinquish the floor, Mr. Speaker, and uh, let Rob keep doing what he's doing. Thank you all so much. Well, uh, that would be the first time in the history that someone came on the show that actually shut the dock up. So I'm absolutely mind blown right now. Uh, I have Mr. Rob Shear with me uh, in our final thoughts for the show today. So uh, Rob, you know, uh, some of the things that I thought were great that were unpacked um, that I'm now talking to you about you and the third person when typically you would be listening and not here. Um, well, number one, um, I love the fact that Rob looks at the world from the perspective of being a father. And to me, that is one of the most important things. And, and especially in situations where role models are absolutely pivotal, right? Foster care children have such a, a wild consensus on the inside of where's my mom? Where's my dad? Does anybody love me? Is there going to be anyone there to take care of me? Am I not good enough? You know, why am I even, you know, why am I even alive? Why am I here? And here you have a man that elects to say, not only did I go through the foster care system, but I want to specifically take on the endeavor of raising children in the foster care system. And not only that, but I want to become an advocate to be able to change the way that foster care children are looked at culturally. And by God, the man is doing it. Like you heard what he said today when he said, my kids, we, we've had one instant come up with all of the kids that he has and everything that he does only one time. So it goes to show you the proof in the pudding is, right? Um, it, it, I'm sorry, I got a private message from Doc. It, it, the proof of the pudding is, is that 
all of you listeners out there that think that this sexual thing, right, that you're so wrapped up in, we've proven to you time and time again that it's bullshit, right? Yeah, it's the content yeah, it really of the is. character. Rob? It really is. And, and you know, the thing is, is that the question about how many times it being gay used as a weapon, um, it was used as a weapon so many times. And by the way, still is. Okay, so let's get this very straight. Um, that the fact is, is that the system is so shattered. Um, there are still people out there who think that because my husband and I are gay and that we are same sex, that we are raising our children differently. Um, that somehow our gayness is going to rub off on them. You know, we um, have done so many first things. And, and when it comes to as a couple, you know, and I think about my son, Alex, my son, Alex is, you know, he came to us when he was 18 years old. And when I met him, I was giving a speech at a local school. And when I found out, he came up to me and asked me for me to sign his copy of his, my book. And um, I found I was in foster care. And when he met my family, we ended up falling in love with this kid. And we immediately reached out to the agency that he was from. Um, and once the agency found out that we were a same-sex couple, they refused to return my calls because they were a religious-based agency within our state well little did they know the shears um because my next call was to the district the attorney unbelievable you know, district attorney um in baltimore city who happened to be a friend of mine and explained exactly what i was going through and the next thing you know i'm standing in front of the baltimore city child welfare head of the services and the next thing you know three months later my son alex moves home with us um he is now 21 just finished his sophomore year in college and the reason i tell that story is because even today you know and this was in 2019 um we are still getting discriminated against. You know, there are people in their mindset, in their mindset that they just can't handle it. Why did Ellen feel the need to actually see the family farm? Wow, let me tell you something. Um, what an honor, what an absolute honor. No matter what anybody read or heard about Ellen, she's a very, very kind person. She was so unbelievably kind to my children, to my husband and I, and she was so generous to comfort cases, you know, but she had actually seen a video that had gone viral where we've had over 150 million people view it. It's been the most viewed, watched, and shared video in Upworthy history. Um, and it was about my son, Makai, um, and about my journey and about my family. But my son, Makai, we actually bought a farm because we were told that children with fetal alcohol syndrome actually um they adjust better around farm animals um and so my husband i came home from work one day and he said read this article and i read it and i was like oh that's crazy he's like here's five farms for sale and we literally went out and bought a farm and within a week after buying the farm we got goats and chickens we even have a pig named penelope but ellen so you're actually our second guest to have a pig by the way um <laughs> if you listen to just a kidney um uh, Lindsay Gutierrez has a pig named Pearl and they've got another one recently. I don't know what y'all's deal is with the pigs. Like I actually grew up, you know, being a part of farming in that. And so that's just a riot. But, uh, well, yeah, yeah. That's, so that's cool. Ellen, Ellen was the one who actually named my son, the chicken whisperer. Um, and so, yeah, so we're very lucky. We're sad to see Ellen's show stop, but we're so lucky for all that Ellen's done for us. 
doctor in the house. Well, the doc is back. I wanted, I was listening, and um, those were actually my questions I was sending in, flying in, but I just wanted to, there's one, I had some other things, but I'll forego those because I want people to find the book and find the magic that is within this book. Yeah, um, I just finished Forever it. Forever family. It's absolutely awesome. It really is. And the part that, there's so much in there, but I marked the part that stood out to me and touched me the most because it never happened for me. Never happened. Still hasn't. And I'm 60 years old. And it was the part on uh, page 150 where, Rob, you're having a conversation at bedtime with your daughter and you had read her you had read to her from the giving tree. You said in there, she wasn't very interested, but she played along like she was. But then you say, and I quote, when it was over and I was pulling the blanket up to her chin, she said, almost out of the blue, I don't want to call you Rob and Reese anymore. No, sweetie, I said, what would you like? Reese asked, I want to call you daddy, she said to me, meaning you, Rob, and you, dada, she said to Reese. I turned to Reese and almost lost it right there. I barely held it together. Daddy, don't be sad, Amaya said, testing the new word out. Oh, daddy's not sad, honey, not at all. You just made me the richest guy in the world. And I absolutely adore that piece because two things from both sides. I will never hear that, I'm sure, from a child. And I have never, in all those 22 homes, chosen to call anyone daddy that was in all those homes. Um, I didn't call any of them mom or mother in all those homes except for my my Eve, my original. And, and actually, we use her first name. So really, it was finding my birth mother at 32 was the first time I got to say mom. And I, you know, people, let me tell you why that's so important to a kid. Until I got married, I wasn't able to go down the Mother's Day or Father's Day Hallmark section of any store. I avoided it like the plague. I pretended I wish, I, there are many times, I wished I could have slept through Mother's Day and Father's Day. So for these kids to be able to celebrate it, and for these men, uh, Rob and, and, and Reese, to be celebrated, they, when they do it for one, they do it for all of us. So that's what I love about it the most uh, because it gave me the experience without ever having had the experience. So thank you so much for that, Rob and Reese. So, Is that your final thoughts, Doc? I, I mean, I know we could talk for hours, but... No, that's it. Okay. So my final thoughts, folks, are this, and Rob proves it, proves it on a daily basis. It's not about your sexuality. And the children that you think aren't the kids that you need to worry about. You need to listen to Rob Shear when he says they're all our children. Because what you don't do for a child today, you can pay for later. So we need to come from a place of understanding and love and acceptance of all of us in our culture. Until next time, I'm Cowboy Jax with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And we'll see you on next time on License for Love, the heartbeat and relationship conversation. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. Thanks, Rob. You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels Harris.
the Heartbeat in Relationship Conversation.